uh, again, a little bit about my background. Um, so I've grown up as a pastor's kid and uh, I'm, I'm now 40. I turned 40 this year, which is quite a big deal. Uh, and um, when I was eight years old, we uh, moved to South America to live from New Zealand and a church planted uh, a plant there in a, a country called Uruguay. And, uh, and when I came back uh, from South America, our family came back, I was 11 years old. And um, throughout my teenage years, I gave my life to the Lord about 20 times at every altar call, uh, at every camp I went to, and eventually it started sticking. Went to Bible college out of high school, um, and I've been in full-time ministry ever since. So I'm 40 now, so I think it's 19 years I've been in full-time ministry. And uh, four years ago, um, me and my wife, um, we pray um, just about every night before we go to sleep. And normally our prayers are like, dear God, if you're real, can our kids please sleep tonight? Like through the night, that would be amazing. Um, so I've had a few faith crises in my life because uh, those prayers haven't always been answered. But uh, <laughs> but uh, one night we, um, yeah, we were just praying as we went to sleep and we just felt God begin speaking to us. And, and long story short, God called us uh, to move from um, where we were living in Christchurch, which is in the South Island. Um, and we moved here to Napier, a city on the east coast of New Zealand, where we didn't know anyone and we had no history, but we just felt so strongly that God uh, called us here to plant a church, which I had said publicly I'd never ever in a million years want to do because it looks like a lot of hard work, and it is, uh, it turns out. But um, but God has been so good to us, and uh, in the last uh, couple of years have been such an adventure sort of following him. So uh, we're going to talk about how to spark a missional life again. And uh, like you guys, New Zealand sort of coming out of lockdown, I understand. And Victoria and Sydney are coming out of lockdown, uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, so we're kind of entering this kind of new space again where we can move beyond our small little worlds and begin to uh, explore what it looks like to get back to normal life in inverted commas. So, what, you know, it's important that we ask the question, what does it look like to spark emotional life again? Because that's the, uh, the beautiful, uh, adventurous life that we're called to be a part of. And um, I, I'm so grateful to God because uh, I was just ref I was reflecting as I was preparing this just how um, how much of, an, of an adventure life is when you're like I just want to be used by you God and, and uh, you probably hear this from a lot of speakers but I'm like I've got to say I am the most ordinary muppet you've ever met when it comes to I'm just a totally ordinary dude. Um, you know, there's nothing special about me. And so like when I get, when Matt invites me to do these sorts of things, I'm like, crikey, are you sure, mate? You know, you must be very desperate if you're asking old Harvey to get involved. But, um, but it's like, but I look back and I'm like, man, I've just been so stoked that I've just given my life to Jesus and that I've, and, and more than just for my salvation, he's been my Lord. Like I'm like, Lord, I just want to be used by you, however you want to use me. And this was Jesus' big heart, you know, like Jesus steps into the world, Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. And, uh, and so Jesus steps into, like, you know, God in the flesh comes into our world, and he's like, oh, I'm going to make all things new, I'm going to make things right again. And throughout Jesus' ministry, like, he keeps proclaiming, like, the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. Uh, and this is a really, I'm going to cycle back to this uh, passage a little bit later, um, but this is from Luke 4, again, uh, this is after he, he'd kind of given this big statement around why he had come. And he says, it says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. So Jesus was constantly sneaking off to pray. You'll notice this all the time through the Gospels. 
the people were looking for him and when they came to where he was they tried to keep him from leaving them they're like come hang out with us jesus like this is so cool you know he's such a legend of course you want to hang out with jesus but he's like i've got to keep going i've got to i must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of god to these other towns because that's why i was sent so he keeps proclaiming the good news of uh, the gospel and so Jesus does his whole ministry, kingdom of God. He's everywhere Jesus' presence is, like the kingdom of God's breaking in. And then he dies on the cross, defeats the powers of sin, rises again, defeats the powers of death. And then it's like the disciples who, again, super encouraging, like they're like 12 Muppets. I call them the 12 Muppets. They're completely normal dropkicks like you and me. Like they... Uh, like by after three years hanging out with Jesus and then they see him rise again, all of a sudden it's like, crikey, this guy is, this guy is who he's, he just, he just rose from the dead, you know? And it's like, this is, it's just blows their mind. But what's really interesting. So then Jesus does this 40 day block course on the kingdom of God. And like, if the disciples have been a bit distracted or not sure before the resurrection, after the resurrection, there's like 40 days where he just teaches about the kingdom of God. And then he ascends to heaven and he says in 10 days time, I'm going to send the Holy spirit. And that's going to be my presence, my power. That's going to then live in you. And so uh, basically in this moment in the scriptures, it's this giant tag moment where Jesus is like, tag, church, you're now in, you're now my body. Now, as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, continue to, to live on mission for me, to live on the mission of God. So N.T. Wright says this, the Spirit is given so that we, this is, this is classic scholar, right? I would call it Muppets. He would say ordinary mortals that we are can ourselves be in a measure what jesus himself was part of god's future arriving in the present a place where heaven and earth meet the means of god's kingdom going forwards and the spirit is given in fact so that the church can share in the life and continuing work of jesus himself so this is why i love soul survivor this is why I like every soul survivor meeting come holy spirit fill us fill us with your power so that we can continue to live on mission for god and so the uh, the early church kind of cranks it and like their big message wasn't like you know get saved so you go to heaven their big message was jesus is lord like the gospel in three words is jesus is lord and this is a, a guy called bruxy cavey wrote this fantastic book called um um the good news for seekers saints and sinners uh, exploring what the gospel is and uh, and the gospel in one word three words and 30 words it's a fantastic book if you want to uh, get frothed on what the gospel is and he says this the earliest christ followers clearly knew the power packed into the simple statement the apostle paul wrote if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved so when we say Jesus is Lord, because we mean it and trust the Jesus story in our hearts, our faith and our speech come together to ignite our spiritual lives. That is salvation. Notice that Paul doesn't call us to embrace the reality that Jesus is Savior. He tells us that when we embrace Jesus as Lord, we get him as Savior as part of the package. Jesus is not just a means to an end, a ticket into heaven, or a way to get saved. Rather, Jesus is our leader, our lover, our Lord here and now. And that is life-changing while we live, not just life-prolonging when we die. And so uh, I, I absolutely love this. Like This for me just gets me fully pumped. I'm like... Yes, I want Jesus to be Lord. I don't just want him to be Savior. I've, I've met way too many boring Christians where if, I, if I, I kind of have a bit of a chat, I discover that Jesus may be their Savior, but Jesus is not their Lord. 
And there's a huge difference. Jesus as Savior is super important. I'm not trying to minimize that for a second, but what we signed up to is to follow Jesus. Come follow me, says Jesus. Like, I, I want you to be Lord of everything. So <clears throat> what does it look like to, to live on mission uh, at the moment? Well, here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting, the interesting thing at the moment uh, is that we've got a couple of things going on that make it a little bit tricky because it can be, it's like, oh man, what does it look like to live on mission right now? Because we live in this really highly secular culture that's also, that's really suspicious of Christianity. Like Australia and New Zealand are very similar, you know, really liberal. And it's like the church, I don't know what the church has been doing in Australia, but the church in New Zealand has not been doing itself any favors during all of this COVID stuff. I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Um, and it's just reinforcing all the stuff around us being judgmental and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so you got that whole dynamic going on. And then the other thing that's gone on for all of you guys and all of us is all of these lockdowns, right? So it's like, what does it look like to live on mission? And in lockdown, like our whole rhythms change real often, you know, suddenly, and it becomes the small little world. Like, I don't know if you guys call them bubbles. No, you know, we've got our bubble. We've got, um, you know, I've got our little routines, all of you know, that you try and develop. And then you've got like your Netflix series that you're kind of binging because there's not much else to do. All this sort of stuff and your world just gets small. And uh, and I'm noticing in guys in our church, I'm like, hey, guys, we actually have to make sure that this doesn't become the new normal. Because it's like, no, now's, you know, and beautifully timed. It's like now, okay, all of a sudden we're all opening up again. So, so we don't stay closed. We actually start to dream again and step out in faith again. And we start to live on mission again. And we start to open our homes again and reach out and talk. You know what I mean? Like there's that thing of we actually have to intentionally change gears because there's a natural gravitational pull in every individual's life and in every church's life that's inward. There's this pull inwards to my world. I want to live for me. I want to do what's comfortable for me. And I and it's like there's just everything in our culture is like look after yourself. It's project self. It's 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 as long as you know you're happy and your truth and your and it's like no. The followers of Jesus live a life of blessing for others. We live a life of the kingdom and everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to be involved. So there's that whole thing going on. Um, uh, so, so, you know, I want to, so what does it look like to, to get like frothed about mission again? Um, here's, here's, this is, here's my disclaimer. I'm the world's worst evangelist. Like I am rubbish. Like as an evangelist, I am, and I'm a pastor. Do you know how annoying that is? It's like, I would love to be an epic evangelist because all the best pastors seem to have all the epic stories about leading all these people to the Lord. And I've tried and I'm average. My wife's a brilliant evangelist, thank goodness. Uh, so that kind of saves our church. But it's like, she's just, and so I've been like, oh man. But then the more I've kind of looked into it, I'm like, why have we defined mission as evangelism? Like we've kind of like narrowed down mission to what John Tyson would call conversionism. And I'm like, man, again, hear me. I've gotten, I'm all over helping people make those decisions for Jesus. But the mission of God is so much bigger and more beautiful and more nuanced and filled with so much variety. And it looks, because at the end of the day, if it's just about evangelism, Jesus was rubbish at evangelism. Like Jesus, 
Jesus talked about so much other stuff. He talked not just about where your soul goes to heaven. He talked about a whole new humanity, a whole new kingdom where Jesus is Lord and the world's the way it's meant to be. Like he's restoring what Genesis 1 was, was uh, meant to be. And Revelation 21 and 22 beautifully is the end of the story is heaven coming back down to earth, reunited, and we live in, with Jesus as Lord. But between now and his coming, we, the church, are tasked with continuing the ministry and mission of Jesus. So what does that look like? So here's, here's my, I have been on this bit of an experiment, so trying to like, what does it look like for the average, normal Kiwi, Aussie, whoever, to grow missionally? What is it like? How can we do that? How can I help that encourage it as a pastor, right? Here's, here's so I've been on this little like, oh, I'm going to try something here. So about three or four years ago, we started something, which we're going to talk about in a second. But here's, here's a little scripture that I think is really interesting. Uh, there's this interesting passage in Deuteronomy chapter 8 where God is talking about the Israelite people and the fact that he led them into the desert. And it says this in Hebrews 8 verse 3. It says, he humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. So the God's saying, look, I, I'm the one that led you into a desert place because I, I wanted to cause you to hunger so I could feed you. And then that, the second part of that verse is actually what Jesus quotes back to the Satan when he's tempted in the wilderness. So that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In John 4, Jesus uh, meets this woman and he says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. So... Uh, here's my here's my kind of vibe at the moment. Is I reckon for a lot of people it's been pretty tough the last little while. Most Christians I talk to, like lockdowns and all the crazy in our world, like it's been pretty tough. And uh, and when things get tough, it's like where do you go? And I I've really um, I've really resonated with the Psalms where David constantly saying like God, you're my refuge, because I'm like. Like, I don't know, I've tried Netflix as a refuge and it kind of works in the short term, but then it like, it just doesn't actually replenish my soul and build me up. It's not good spiritual food, you know, and there's also, you know, I've tried to find a refuge in Burger King, man. I love, I love a number three, it, it, Hungry Jacks, whatever you guys call it, but it's like, you know, and it's like, but it doesn't actually set it. We can look to all these things. And I think what God's been doing in the church recently is it's been tough but I think God's led us into a place where we just hunger for more of him, where we thirst for more of him. And this is where I'm just encouraging guys as, as we come out of lockdown. I'm like, man, now's the time to press in like you've never pressed in before. And so, uh, uh, yeah, so here's the last couple of years. I was like, what does it look like for us to really crank up the mission thing? Well, rather than starting by talking about what we can do missionally, I was like, I just want to find out how my people in my church are doing with their daily devotional practices of hanging out with Jesus every day. And uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands about how everyone's doing on that front, so fret not. But it's like, so I'm sitting down with normal dudes uh, who just have got, you know, some of them got kids, some of them, all just total classic normal dudes. And I'm like, how's your devotional life going? And I knew the answer. Absolute rubbish. Like, like, honestly, they, 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 you know, no one likes admitting it, but it was like, the, I was talking to guys that had been in church a long time and I could tell they were bored. 
I could just tell that they were bored. And actually, it had got to the point, and this is what happens, guys, if you don't get this stuff in place early. The season of life where you get married and have kids or you've got a job or whatever it is, and you've gone to church a whole lot. And uh, and for these guys, they were just starting to go to church simply because they wanted their kids to be in the, an environment like church. But they had lost their zing when it came to Jesus. And I could just see it. So I was like, you know what, lads? And this is my observation. Most people under 45 struggle with their devotional life. Most people over 45, 50, there was a generation where having a quiet time was fairly normal. Anyone under 45, we've grown up with a weapon of mass distraction uh, in our world uh, that is just vying for our attention at every moment, including potty time. And it's like, so like cultivating an interior life with any sort of depth is a mission because we're just, we've just got full-time distraction machines trying to just say, hey, hang out with me. <clears throat> so we, I was like, okay, well, how about we start a group with a bunch of guys and all we do is we hold each other accountable to, uh, to the question of uh, how's your devotional life going? And, uh, and so I'm like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna meet Thursday morning, seven o'clock at a cafe. And all we're going to do is we're going to go around the circle and we're going to, and, we're, and this is only if you want it, no dramas if you don't, but if you like, I want a devotional life, we're just going to gently hold ourselves accountable to this every week. And so we, three years, uh, two and a half years ago, started meeting in this little cafe, seven o'clock, we'll get there. And I had some rules. I was like, I, no Pharisees are allowed. This is not about bragging about what's strong. This is about what God is call, calling you to grow in. So uh, we called it um, Upper Click. And so um, this was uh, not to be confused with an Upper Click, like a, a more superior group of people, which a lot of people in our church thought that we called it, uh, but Upper Click. And we're like, what does it look like to go Upper Click in your devotional life? That's what we're going to hold each other accountable to. So if you've got some stuff in place, fantastic. But God wants to, there's a hunger in us for more. So what does it look like to live that out outside of a Sunday morning, outside of a gathering, to have cultivated an interior life with Jesus that's got some depth? So we meet at this cafe every week and we go around the circle and it's just like, how's it going? And uh, and when it started, most of the boys were like, had nothing going on and they felt like they were too busy to do much. Fast forward two and a half years later, this is the most transformation I have ever seen in my pastoring life. Like it has totally surpassed any of my wildest hopes and dreams in terms of how it's transformed their life. Every week we just ask how we're doing in terms of hanging out with Jesus. And here's my point. If we want to do mission for Jesus, we've got to be connected to Jesus. If we want to see the world the way that Jesus sees the world, we've got to be hanging out with him. And like there's too much forces at, at play in our culture shaping and forming us for us to, to have anything less than a strong devotional practice. And uh, where we sit with Jesus every day, where we're filled afresh with the spirit every day. Because when that starts happening, you start seeing the world the way that Jesus sees it. You start seeing people and feeling what Jesus feels for people. You start getting things of the prophetic for people. And so like we start, like again, these are normal guys. And it's like, uh, you know, again, rubbish devotional things. Does not, and then like, and we just turned up like every week. Every, it was like, we're just going to turn up. And I was like, and I made some rules. The time to turn up is when it's been a rubbish week. And sometimes I'm the pastor and I'm there and I'm like, oh man, guys, all right, I'm pretty, pretty lean on the old Devos this week, man. And it's like, you know, and it's, and, and what became so beautiful was like, oh, it was this moment of confession. Whereas I could just acknowledge, but here's what the beauty about it. It was also a reset where I got back on the wagon. 
And like when it comes to devotional practices or anything like that, anything of value or something that we want in our lives, say like devotional practices, it's like when's the next logical time that your devos are going to get strong again? I don't know, at the next Soul Survivor conference where you finally get like, oh yeah, I'm going to get back on the wagon again. Like it can be, it can be years sometimes between like on ramps to committing ourselves to the way of Jesus. This became a weekly moment of 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 account of gentle accountability around what it looks like for us to stay deeply connected to jesus and what was so cool is that people got addicted to jesus one of our guys gets up every morning and it's like um, and his kids and stuff and i'm like and he doesn't drink coffee i'm like how the heck can you not drink coffee if you're a parent that's just 101 like honestly jesus made it so that parents can survive that season uh and he's like so what he does is he goes outside every morning at like same around at 5 30 and just bounces on the trampoline <laughs> until he's wide awake like the neighbors thinks he's nuts he sees the same people walk their dogs every morning he's just bouncing up and down the trampoline and then he's wide awake and he goes and he and he's like sits with jesus and then he starts his day and then the boys started getting even more addicted and they'd have little lunchtime divas and none and for a lot of these guys it wasn't like you know hour-long kind of intercessory prayer things it was five minutes here and five minutes there but it was like stilling ourselves in the presence of god and here's uh, I, 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 inadvertently discovered the genius of this down the track and i'm very proud of myself because it looks like i was like oh i've stumbled across something here it's quite special uh but it was all just an accident it turned out which is a bit annoying i wish i was this clever but here's i I discovered this research that was really interesting this association for talent talent development in the states did a whole bunch of research around how people achieve goals and the research has found that people have around these sort of probabilities in terms of achieving a goal or a dream so if you think about it 10 percent which is so classic right and uh, you know jesus on the sermon on the mount he's like it's not that you hear it it's that you do it like it's the people that do it that build their house on the rock that apply it to their lives so it's not about like often we think resonance is obedience but it's not we resonate with things and we think oh that's brilliant but that's actually not transforming you and we've had this lie in the church that says information equals transformation when it doesn't because what information can do is bring revelation but the only thing that will bring uh, bring transformation to our lives is application oh you got to tweet that right information doesn't equal transformation information can bring revelation but what brings transformation is application <laughs> man it rhymes i'm like spitting in some rhymes here right so it's like application so we can have an idea about it you won't do it 10 percent. you can consciously decide oh, i'm gonna do it 25 percent. i thought this would be higher deciding when you will do it or how you will do it only takes you up to about 50 percent if you tell somebody 65 percent was saying listen to this having a, an accountability appointment with someone that you're committed to a regular accountability 95 percent. how insane is that like that is and guess what jesus did this like there's a reason jesus hung out with the 12 muppets for three years every single day it's because it was accountability it's like this is what it looks like see me do it try it with me like he he literally was had this environment of like coaching and accountability full time for three years. And so I'm like, oh man, this is why it's so it has been so life changing for me and for others. Uh, it's been absolutely incredible. And in fact, uh, there was a, a revival and uh, uh, with uh, through John Wesley, the Wesleyan revival. Uh, and this amazing book called marks of the movement here and these guys it turns out had accountability groups every week where they would ask each other 
like how are these how are the practices going in terms of prayer in terms of confession in terms of uh, mission all that sort of stuff every week and that was how this this move of god transformed particularly britain but it but went around the world so this has been this is a, a a way of growing that is just so for me so exciting like it's been just so so exciting and what's been really cool about it is that it's uh, it's it's spilled over into mission like this is this is the weirdest mission talk you've ever heard because it's like actually it's all about intimacy with jesus and it turns out john 15 is absolutely true jesus wasn't lying that when you abide and remain in him you'll bear fruit you'll bear the missional fruit like it's about it's about having a deep communion with him that's so like our boys i'm not even talking about mission and story after story has just been coming out around what it looks like for uh, for ordinary people to be doing kingdom activities, not coming out of this whole thing of I've got to be a missional person, I've got to be a missional person. It's, it's coming out of a deep abiding relationship with Jesus that's brought absolute transformation and uh, how we like. And so here's what's happened for, for our guys. Firstly, if you choose Jesus every day and if you fight for devotional rhythms, because it's a fight, trust me, it is a fight. If you fight to get in the word every day, if you fight to sit in stillness in his presence and just and have these moments every day of just intimacy with him. If you fight for those things, then this is this is what I've seen happen. Firstly, you become a living gospel. You just become good news more and more. It, Jesus, the fruit that Jesus specifically talks about in John 15 is love, joy, and peace. That would be, uh, we would feel incredibly loved because we just are engaging in the Trinity, like we're part of the triune love. Um, he, he says this so that his joy may be complete, we're filled with the joy of God, and it uh, would have the peace of God, which is the first three fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you can stop and imagine for a second what your life would feel like, what it would feel like if love, joy, and peace were your predominant experience rather than your rare exception from time to time when everything lines up. Like, what would it feel like? Like I, I listen to Hamish and Andy. That's the best thing that Australia's ever given the world, as, as far as I'm concerned, is that is those guys are just absolute. I listen to them every week. I and I remember driving one time listening to Hamish and Andy, and I was just because I'm a pastor, and so I go from intense meeting to intense meeting, and so like I'm driving along, just cracking up, like having a good giggle, and I felt like God say, "That's brilliant. Keep doing that." Because you're cultivating joy in your life i love it when you laugh and i was like that is the coolest thing you have ever said to me god and it was honestly like clear as day in the car and he's like i want you to linger in places of joy as much as you can so that you get used to the feeling of joy because this is how i long for you to live and it's like sign me up like love joy and peace like imagine just this is a good exercise like imagine what your day would be like if your predominant right like your experienced reality was just living from a place of love and joy and peace. They're just the first three fruits, but they're the ones that John's gospel particularly emphasizes. All of a sudden, like mission is not like, oh, we're gonna do mission. It's like, you're so frothed on Jesus because you're so filled with love, joy, and peace. It's like, you want everyone to fucking get on that gravy train. It's like, this is just, the, this, is just this is the life we long to live. And, and a lot, often that's birthed through times of suffering. Like that's, I'm not just saying this is when life's sweet. I've gone through a lot of suffering in my life. And sometimes that joy is defiant. You know what I mean? That's cultivating that stuff. So that's the, that's what begins to happen. And as I've already mentioned, that what happens when you hang out with Jesus a lot, you start seeing the world the way he sees it. You start seeing people the way that you see it. And you don't have to try and like crank up a missional lifestyle. You just begin to walk into it more and more and more. And I just can't believe the places that God 
um, the God leads me, you know. So here's a couple of ideas in terms of a next step um, for, for you guys on this whole thing. Uh, as, as things open up again, if you want to live on mission, my, th- my, my biggest encouragement and, and advice, and we've got my pom-poms out for this right now, is get your devotional life the best it's ever been. Stoke the fires. Get the, and if you're serious about that, then start your own version of an upper click. We've got little upper clicks all over the place now. I'm so encouraged. Um, and because at the end of the day, um, it's tough. It's tough to, to to have that inner depth without a community that's cheering us uh, each other on on this. But also, you know what it does? It actually creates a discipleship culture. Guys, let's catch up every week and let's work out what it looks like to uh, to have a deep devotional life. The other thing is that there is a wonderful course called the Missional Life Course uh, that I'll thoroughly recommend. We just took our whole church through it by John Tyson, missionallife.co. Um, is uh, is a twelve week course that you could run with some crew, and again, just do it together to say, hey, we want to, we don't want to live closed lockdown lives. We want to live open lives of mission. So let's intentionally lean into that at this time, and that's the best course on mission I've ever seen. But the other thing actually is that um, I've got a whole bunch of resources on our church website, bayvinyardchurch.org, uh, including building a strong devotional life there, which is a nine week module um, that you could take with some guys if you're like, hey, let's like lean into, look, you know, let's explore what it looks like to develop a stronger devotional life. And and that, I haven't gone into any detail around what that devotional life can look like, but in that course uh, that we've built, uh, it's just, yeah, it's got lots of ideas and tips and tricks and, and, uh, and ways that you can cultivate a deeper devotional life. So those, that's my advice for you in terms of next steps. Uh, if you're feeling like, yeah, I want to, I want to, um, I want really want to pursue, uh, you know, a more intentional life of mission.